All right, hello, and welcome back to Billiken Babble. My name is Carter Chapley. Billikens are headed into a tough one here with George Washington. They go right into Foggy Bottom. They took on George Mason, now they get George Washington. It's the George's week, and they are looking to improve their conference record to three and one. Going on the road in this conference is always difficult, especially when you're going into a gym like George Washington's. Smaller, it's a little less stadium-like, so the energy is a little harder to find. It's definitely different kinds of sight lines. This George Washington team has also been better than they have in the past, uh, so it should be set up to be a really interesting game. I wanted to do a pregame talk, a podcast, a babble, because in all likelihood, I'm going to be compl- I'm not even going to be able to watch the George Washington game. Um, for those in St. Louis, they'll know. The winter warm-up for the Cardinals is taking place the exact same time on Saturday afternoon um, from 9 till 5, and I'm, I'll am i be covering that event with the Post-Dispatch along with all my coworkers there, so I won't be able to watch, most likely, let alone um, do a post-game spaces intelligently. So I wanted to get a kind of opportunity to talk to the fan base, and then we'll, you know, we will recommune ahead of the next game the Billikens play, which will be this Wednesday when they go up for the second of a two-game road trip to Loyola. First, let's touch back on that George Mason game. What we babble about about that. That George Mason game was interesting. I went back and watched it a couple of times, found some things that I liked and that I didn't like, found some stuff about the offense that I was curious about and I'm trying to kind of pursue that, get some answers, get some non-answers. For the most part, I thought the team played one of their better defensive games. I know that's odd to say, but they weren't overly irresponsible in terms of rotations. They were just slow. They let, for the most part, George Mason kind of do whatever they wanted in terms of the like five-on-five game, the, the center-on-center. Uh, they could have done a better job about ball denying, and if that's the way you want to approach not letting somebody see somebody get paint touches and stuff like that, sure, but, and that's kind of, you know, what that zone ultimately led to, but it was a, it, it wasn't the worst defensive game they played of the year, that's for sure. Offensively, it felt like when Travis says that they had a hard time getting a rhythm going, that makes a lot of sense. It looked like it. It looked like they couldn't quite figure out what they wanted to do against anything George Mason was, uh, George Mason was doing. I think part of that was that George Mason was very adaptive in the way they played defense. They threw a lot of different things out there, a lot of different coverages. You know, they, they would go over screens and they'd go under screens and they would do a lot of different stuff. They'd help, they wouldn't help. They'd move to a kind of like a adapted 2-3 zone. They would trap in certain in half-court sets. They, they wouldn't. They'd put ball pressure on Yuri. Basically the whole game face guarding him, making someone else bring the ball up. I think they did a lot of different things and they never kind of let Slew get into a rhythm, which is a credit to George Mason. But it seemed like when Slew was struggling the most, it's because they were slowing down. They were letting George Mason impact them negatively. Uh, and by slowing down, I don't mean like not running in transition. I don't mean like they were, they, they weren't like, oh, like we're gonna run the floor, we're gonna turn this into a track meet, we're gonna, we're gonna get up and down. I think it's just like, when I mean slow down, it, it's like the stuff off the ball just becomes more methodic and more robotic and less creative and quick. Everything becomes like, okay, and then you go to here, and then you go to there, and then you do this, and then you do that. And instead of having this dynamic, interesting offense, 
you end up with this very predictable, I don't want to call it lazy because that doesn't seem fair, but like lazy, um, uh, stagnant offense. And I think we saw that because based on my count, and I could be wrong here, on five separate occasions, the ball was able to be tipped by a passer or a, um, a handoff uh, above the break line. That kind of stuff where it's like, oh, well, we know what you're going to do here. So we can we can blow that up really quickly and steal a couple of points. That That's the kind of stuff that if they were moving quicker, if they were moving with more purpose, more energy, even in the small stuff, in, in the, you know, oh, we're just, we're just kind of getting into our set here. We're not actually planning on making the killer punch, the knockout punch here. We need to move quicker. It, it doesn't seem like there was a whole lot of urgency when they were especially struggling. And then when it did, and the urgency would come up, it would come up in ways that weren't like helpful to the way this team wants to play basketball. It would come up in ways that are like one guy trying to get themselves too deep and over dribbling and they dribble themselves into the post and they try and make a pass that they have no business making. Or forcing something, forcing a pass that from a mile away, you can just see it like that's not a good look. Stuff where it's like Javon Pick getting caught underneath. He tries to do like this weird dump off to Francis Okoro, but like there's six, there's only, only five defenders, but there's six guys standing there. There's too many bodies where it's like, you're trying to get too cute and too picky with how you pass because you've dribbled yourself. You tried to drive to the lane and now you dribbled yourself into a bad situation. Yuri doesn't do it as often, but you can see it sometimes where he picks up his dribble early and the other four guys on offense don't move to help him. And all of a sudden it's very easy to like, and I say, I say move, they do move, but it's not at a, a pace or an urgency or a, you know, they don't blow it all up just to help him out. So they're left with him trapped. And then they're, then they're very easy to, uh, to defend, especially when you get the ball out of Yuri Collins' hands, which is a problem in and of itself, but it's not a problem we're going to address this season. This is going to be the type of basketball this team lives and dies on. It's the chosen offense of this team. They've built this team around the fact that Yuri Collins can pass the ball, that he can be, he's going to be your floor general and everyone else just has to play the part of the instrument, so to speak, whereas he is the orchestra conductor in a, in a way, and you wouldn't ask your second chair tuba to come up there and conduct. So this that's the kind of style they're gonna play with, so I'm not, I'm gonna try and spend less time like begging for something else because it's just not gonna happen this year. Maybe you learn from it and, and, and you know, you look at next year and whoever the point guard is next year, whether it's a transfer or if it's a CN Medley, you go, oh, okay, well, that's what we're gonna do. But, you know, Right now, this is the type of offense they want to play. Let's let's talk about that. From a momentum standpoint, the biggest biggest game of the night is Gibson Jimerson. You hope you can see that transfer over to this game. This team has really, really struggled on the road in terms of just like shooting percentages and and general offensive efficiency and turnover rate. And they're two and four away from Chaffetz Arena, and they have like they shoot twenty seven percent from three away from Chaffetz Arena. They shoot 49% from two, 67% for, uh, from the free throw line. You know, so it's like going away from home has clearly been uncomfortable. The, you have to start fixing that. And after this team played two of their better games at home, and by better, I mean like at least they were cathartic at the very least. They played really well against Bonaventure. I have to give them that. I, they're, I mean, their game score quality, like if I had to rank it against Mason was probably like, if not average, just below average performance out of them this year. Because like the real problem with, with SLU this year has not really been there. They have played games like they've, where they've been okay. 
and lost, right? Like they they were they were okay against Boise State and lost. They were they were good against Auburn and lost. They've just had some cataclysmic blowups, right? Like they just go to go on the road at Maryland, get waffle stomped. Go to Iona, get waffle stomped. Uh, UMass get waffle stomped. Like even Edwardsville, which is probably their like worst statistic, like worst ranking loss in a decade, maybe more. Um, I have to go check on that. It, like it was, it was about the same performance-wise as that as the other night in terms of like, things like game score. Right? It just wasn't for them. So it, it go, this is now a big test. They've now exercise some demons out of their system. They've started to get some emotional things figured out. It felt like Ford getting ejected was a good place to build from emotionally. You know, you, you, you come back, you show a lot of um, grit, you show a lot of attitude, you show a lot of positivity in that comeback win. You play a really good game where you just kind of run the bonnies out of the gym by the end of it. And now you go on the road against George Washington team who has historically not been very good. Like I can't, you, you can't argue that they've been a good basketball team in the last, I don't know, five, six years, but they have been a pretty quality, all things considered team this year, right? They have, they're like 175th in the nation per uh, T rank. Chris Caputo is in his first year coaching the team. They've had real, highs like real real highs and real lows this is a team that beat south carolina this year uh they just they're coming off of a win at home against umass they've you know they have some really good games and then they also have like real stinkers like they like a loss uh to seattle where they like lost 85 67 they had a real like some real stinkers like where they lose to uh, UC San Diego uh, at home, uh, Hofstra in New York, uh, get kind of blown out by Richmond. So it's like they had like they play a but then they play a really tight game against Washington, but Washington State, excuse me, but they lose. So this is a team that is there's something cooking there. There's something interesting going on there. Um, they are a fascinating watch in terms of how they want to play basketball. Like they are, they like they are excellent at shooting twos. They're excellent at getting to the paint. They're excellent at putting the ball in from inside the circle. Brutal from deep, like just bad from deep. They and that's where they usually struggle. They get games where when when they win, like when they when they play South Carolina, they put up 12 threes. You know, they they, they take a ton of them, but their numbers look just brutal, right? They ten, 10 for 30 in their opening game against Virginia State. 8 for 21, 11 for 25, 4 for 17, 7 for 25, 7 for 21, 12 for 27. The point being is that they take a lot of threes and they kind of live and die on that, but they're not always good at it. It's not what their their strength is, but it's a huge part of what they do. They don't get rebounds. They're not a particularly great like defensive team, but they're just going to try and shoot over you, which the one thing about... Travis Ford defenses is that, like, generally, if you're one-dimensional, Travis Ford defenses and the way he's able to adjust in a coaching scheme or setting up a scouting report is generally, if you're one-dimensional, he can really capitalize on that. 
he's, he's shown an aptitude for being like, if a team is one-dimensional like they are right now, which is, we're going to shoot a ton of threes. That's how we're going to stay in the game. And you know what? It's a tried-and-true method of underdogs taking down better teams is we're going to outshoot you from deep, we're, and we think on any given night we can run into more than you do. But to Slew's credit, if there's one thing that you're worried about with Slew, it's not necessarily it's not necessarily um, protecting the perimeter. And I say that because it's been a point of contention this year that they're they're a bad perimeter defensive team. It's I think the problem is that they're a bad like slashing protecting team. They don't have the wing guards to like stop other teams' wings from slashing, and so you have to sag off. You have to. You have to, this is what I'm talking about, being one-dimensional. If you're able to be multi-dimensional offensively, you can generally, you know, Slew's defense this year is going to have a tougher time until they're able to figure out some of their athletic issues, until they're able to figure out some of their scheming issues to avoid this. They have historically this year been really bad at defending multi-threat offensive games. It's this where it's like, we're going to shoot threes. It's a little easier to manage, I think. That's my guess. If I had to, like, put my money where my mouth is, is like, that would be my guess. I think they, you know, you you don't let them, but you kind of guard, you guard it better, and you make it difficult because they're clearly going to want to do that. They don't, you know, they, they have guys who can be impactful in the paint, um, like Ricky Lindo Jr., uh, Hunter Dean. They They only play, like, they don't have a high minutes percentage, but they have really good like percentage ratings. Like they're they when they get in, they're they're when they get shots, they're pretty good. James Bishop is probably their their most important player on the floor. He's your primary ball handler. He's the one who's playing your highest minutes, your highest minutes percentage. He's the one who's gonna you know he's got the highest usage, um, pulls in most of your assists. You know he's thirty four percent from deep which is a team high. So that's who you kind of have to look out for. And otherwise, like, this team is going to have this. That's what this team does is when they win games, they're generally out shooting opponents pretty significantly, right? Like, they're shooting it at a really high rate. And only once this year has GW's defensive rating looked any good, and that was when they beat South Carolina 79-55. Just showed up to play and, and beat the hell out of, out of South Carolina, who, you know, is in the middle of a rebound, new coach, kind of funny, that new coach ended up in UMass, and then they beat UMass later in the year, so that maybe it's just something about the way, the way South Carolina wants to play, but if, you know, if SLU can find a way to get out to a lead in the early part of the game, you have to be careful of the comeback, right? SLU has been really, they've given up more double-digit leads and got it back to even or within one more times than I can count in the last two years, granted. But it's really hard to maintain a lead when your defense is, or it's really hard to maintain, like build a comeback, excuse me, if your defense is god-awful. So that that's kind of where I'm standing in this game. And I think it's imperative that Slew gets off to an early lead. They start hot. It's a three o'clock start. So it's like, it's, it's harder, I think, on all athletes save for maybe baseball players because they do it so often to play a game even four hours early these guys are such creatures of rhythm and routine that you know playing a game four hours earlier than you usually do which is like a seven or eight o'clock tip is tough and then you factor in you're going into a kind of different like a different environment it's one you've played in before but it's like 
at some point the excuse of like oh the sight lines are different like it, it has to just be, be an excuse it can't be one that we take seriously and you know like they say in major leagues you won yesterday we won today we win tomorrow it's a winning streak get yourself a little winning streak and then you know it's not exactly easy sailings throughout the way here, but like this is a part of the schedule where you need to win a whole bunch of games. George Washington, Loyola, LaSalle at home, Davidson, Fordham, and then it's, if you can get through that stretch where you get to VCU at Chaffetz Arena, you play more games at home than you do on the road. Like they're playing a lot of games on the road to start the season. They're already, they're already gonna have or three road trips out of the way by February. So like that's, you don't play another back-to-back -back on the road for the rest of the year after that Davidson Fordham trip. So this is a really big stretch where you can steal some wins on the road, put yourself in a position to win a conference. Like this is where you have to do it. This is where you win the conference is in this next two week stretch. And the last two games are part of it, but this is now away from home. You gotta prove yourself. That's it for me on Billick and Babel. Again, probably no spaces tomorrow night. I probably won't even be able to watch the game to be completely honest until after on tape delay. Check out all the coverage of winter warmup on stltoday.com if you're a Cardinals fan. If you're not, that's what I'll be doing Saturday during the game. Check it out here next time. We'll be keep doing this a little more often. We'll get some guests in coming soon. Follow me on Twitter at Chapley Media. Follow me on post at Carter Chapley. We might be transitioning away from Twitter a little bit more as time goes on. Let's just see if we can get a three-game winning streak going for these Billikens.